Welcome to Talking Tax, a podcast brought to you by Bloomberg Tax. In this series, we sit down with leading tax practitioners who have contributed to the Bloomberg Tax journals, which cover a variety of topics of interest to attorneys, accountants, and other tax professionals. We really appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy today's discussion. This is Dolores Gregory with Bloomberg Tax, and we're talking today with Gary Sprague, a partner with Baker and McKenzie in Palo Alto, California. Gary is a regular contributor to the TM International Journal, and he's here to talk to us about some developments in the EU. Um, Gary, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Dolores. I thought we would start off um, just talking a little bit about some of the comments you made in your recent uh, your recent um, column that was in the uh, TM journal. Um, you, you noted that the EU is proposing to adopt special rules to tax a digital economy. And you highlighted two in particular, one dealing with permanent establishment and another that looks like uh, it might be a gross receipts tax imposed on specific transactions. Can you tell us a little bit more about these proposals and, and why they're so problematic? Sure. Um, the, the, the EU proposals actually are building on some ideas that had been circulating earlier and one, the equalization levy, in fact, had been implemented by, by India. But the two proposals that I referred to in the commentary and you're reminding us of here are first a so-called significant digital presence test and second, the, the equalization levy. The significant digital presence is essentially a, a virtual PE in that uh, a non-resident enterprise that does not have uh, the sort of nexus uh, connections to a jurisdiction that would otherwise arise to a PE under uh, existing treaties would still be regarded as having taxable presence in the uh, market state if certain digital indicia were present. Um, There's no indication yet as to what those indicia would be, uh, but one can speculate that it would uh, be factors such as volume of revenue from the jurisdiction, listening to other um, uh, observers and government officials talk about the issue, maybe number of users uh, in the jurisdiction, maybe some measure of engagement with uh, users in, in the jurisdiction. What is um, well understood by everyone is that even if this significant digital presence were regarded as creating tax nexus, there would still need to be a special rule of some sort dealing with profit attribution to that um, special nexus because the PE as defined would be completely virtual. Uh, There would not need to be any actual personnel or actual assets of the non-resident enterprise in the market jurisdiction. So there would need to be some some approach to attribute profits to uh, the PE that would not be based on the existing OECD transfer pricing guidelines, but would be essentially a bespoke rule for um, whatever enterprises are, are caught by this. The, the, the second possible approach, the equalization 
levy is pretty much modeled on the equalization levy that was enacted by India um, not too long ago. That would be a tax based on gross uh, payments across border. Uh, there would need to be some definition as to what receipts are covered. Uh, the Indian one at the moment covers just online advertising revenue, uh, so that there would need to be some decision as to whether other digital transactions are covered as well, and of course the rate. Uh, since this would be a tax on gross, um, uh, you know, any, any tax is going to be a very significant economic cost to um, to the company. In terms of why they're so problematic, um, there there are lots of reasons. Um, you know, the, the 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 first is that these are you know sector specific discriminatory taxes. They're they're designed to apply just to a certain subset of companies that um, uh, principally operate through digital interactions. What's particularly ironic about these proposals is that a fundamental uh, conclusion of the OECD in its first round of work through the task force on the digital economy concluded that it is not possible to ring-fence the digital economy for purposes of, of taxation. And in fact, the OECD has changed its terminology um, in speaking with the tax challenges of the digitalized economy. Uh, the, the change in terminology from the digital economy to the digitalized economy is meant to highlight the point that you can't ring-fence uh, a certain subset of the economy because the entire economy is being digitalized. But these two proposals do exactly that. So so even after you know the OECD is a bedrock conclusion of the BEPS project include you can't ring fence the digital economy, the new term is is now being used, the highly digitalized business models, and these proposals would then ring fence the uh, the um, companies, whoever they might be, that fall within the definition of highly digitalized um, business models. Um, so the sector-specific discrimination obviously is 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 a problem. The equalization levy um, it has several problems, as has been shown by practice in in India. Since it is a tax on gross, it, it's pretty much a meat cleaver tax, it applies regardless of profitability, whether the significant digital presence tax would or would not, no one knows yet because there have been no details um, uh, released, but if it were to result in some sort of you know, formulaic approach to uh, determining the profits attributable to the PE based on sales, then that also would result in a tax that's not based on, on, on net income. In terms of international tax policy, to me, one of the most troublesome um, issues of, of these proposals is the possibility that they would be proposed to be effective outside the treaty networks of the um, of the countries involved. Now that's not um, clear yet uh, from the 
from from the EU discussions. It could well be that they they would uh, conclude that treaty obligations need to be respected and uh, make any proposals within the context of uh, amending the treaties, just like the MLI amended the treaties for other uh, BEPS-inspired treaty changes. But the past practice of countries around the world in coming up with unilateral measures that that target either directly or um, indirectly digital companies is not comforting on on that. The Indian Equalization Levy uh, clearly designed to um, not be subject to India's treaty obligations. The UK Diverted Profits Tax and Australian Mall, although not um, targeted directly to digital companies, those had much broader um, intended effect also um, operate outside the the scope of uh, those countries' um, treaty networks. So anything that um, would would be kind of an end run around treaty obligations, I think, would be um, highly disappointing and certainly discouraging in, in terms of the lack of confidence in the, the international treaty network that uh, such such impositions would um, uh, would reflect. You also um, mentioned in your commentary that that uh, the one concern about these proposals is that they, they don't really stop with electronic commerce, um, that um, it's kind of a slippery slope for, for companies uh, that do business across border, whether it's um, online or not, that it's a movement away from um, long-standing transfer price. Yeah. Let, let, let's go back to the basic principle that the EU, um, I, I think, acknowledges it, or at least in the public com- comments or communications acknowledge that taxation should be imposed where value is created, right? So that's the, the basic policy point that everybody can agree with. What creates the debate is, well, where where is value created in, in the context of a particular enterprise? Now, now, here I think that many government officials have have something of a blind spot as to how digital companies actually operate, you, you still get the sense, speaking with some officials, that they think, um, quote, cloud-based companies, end quote, just operate in the cloud, in the ether somewhere. But that's obviously not true. Um, you know, the major companies, minor companies, all have people, premises, equipment, and that's where the value is created, through the people that do the innovation and the um, assets, even for those operating across the, the internet, the, the assets of their data centers, other infrastructure, that those assets all exist somewhere. And it's the people and, and financial capital risk-taking that creates, creates value. So my point about this being a um, you know, slippery slope is for any of these taxes to be justified as a policy matter that there would have to be some argument that value is not being created where the the people are that actually um, you know innovate in the business or where the capital is deployed that supports the business, but but that the market itself um, uh, would be an indicator of 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 uh, 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 taxable nexus in the case of users or in the attribution of profits 
in the case of equalization levy or the attribution of profits uh, component of uh, significant digital presence. But if the international tax system is going to acknowledge a tilt toward, toward the market per se as a justification for allocating taxable income, there's, there's no legitimate reason why that justification could be applied just to certain highly digitalized business models and not to everything else. You know, why not to French luxury goods or German automobiles? So that's where I see the, the slippery slope. If you base a rule on the conclusion that the market itself creates you know, tax consequences outside of indirect tax, then there's no policy basis to limit it to a certain sector. That sounds like a very familiar kind of debate in, in a way. Isn't this very similar to what has been kicked around in the United States with um, various states, um, how they have um, attempted to tax activities of companies operating across borders and um, one state or another uh, moving to, I believe it was uh, what they called single sales based apportionment where they would base the uh, um, base it on um, the, the sales into a state and minimize the other factors that they would consider. Yeah, two things there. First, keep in mind a lot of the activity in the U.S. has been over sales tax. Um, so taking that to the international parallel, that would be DAT, GST, other indirect taxes. And I, and I think most digital enterprises, do believe that the VAT is an appropriate tax to impose by reference to the point of consumption. That was the conclusion of the first round of work of the task force on the digital economy. And we actually, on behalf of clients, have engaged with many countries around the world as countries have adopted um, new extraterritorial VAT or GST on cross-border digital supplies over the last couple of years. What business would like is for those regimes to be uniform. If, if you're operating a, a single uh, global model, having different compliance obligations in you know, 100 countries is, is just not not um, you know, a good good situation. So that's that's the indirect side. On the direct tax side, um, you're you're right. The the U.S. states um, ha have adopted various forms of formulary apportionment for for years and years and years. But that's not the international system. If the international system wanted to go to formulary apportionment. That's you know, a legitimate debate to be had. But but it's not a legitimate debate to say, well, let's do formulary for one sector and, and, and not for everybody else. It, it seems also what, what you're saying is that the, that the focus on the, um, the, the idea of the digital PE um, overlooks the fact that the companies that have a digital presence still have the same, the metrics really haven't changed in terms of where they have, they still have employees. Um, they, they have a physical presence somewhere. They they may have um, the internet. Maybe have made it easier for them to reach the markets in other places. But the old measure for what creates a PE um, shouldn't change just because uh, companies have more activity online than they did in the past. 
Um, well, that's certainly what I believe. Uh, I, I, again, if, you, if you're going to tilt all the, the the policy justification for this is is a tilt towards the market. Let's let's tax these sales into the country, not on a VAT basis, but on a direct tax basis, because um, you know a lot of sales are being made into our market. It's a legitimate policy debate to say, should that be the international tax system? You know, get get away from you know functions, assets, and risks, and put market in as the fourth factor. Um, that's fine. Have the debate. It'd be an interesting debate to have, um, but but it just can't be done for for only one sector. And it, it is kind of ironic that so much of the BEPS work in the transfer pricing area has been focused on the contribution of people, whether whether it's the one work on uh, the you know accurate delineation of the transaction between the related parties, the work on um, assumption and management of uh, of risk, um, the work on the intangibles and whether intangible returns. Um, or I should say how intangible returns should be allocated according to DEMPI functions performed by people. The, the, the one bedrock principle of all of the transfer pricing work in BAPS focuses on the contribution of, of individuals. While, while these proposals go in exactly the opposite direction, in imposing tax nexus where there are admittedly no people contributions. So it's hugely ironic and I think pretty results driven, frankly. Okay. So where do you where does it all the debate go from here in your view? Um, I know the OECD's task force on the digital economy just had a consultation and I believe there's a report expected in the spring. Where do you see things going? Well that report is going to be very important. Um, according to the OECD's mandate to the task force, that report is to provide an interim report on the um, effects so far of the BEPS changes, with the task force producing a final report in, in 2020. And the final report is uh, the report which uh, should indicate whether some more fundamental change to the international tax framework would be recommended to address the tax challenges of the digitalized uh, economy. This interim report is going to be very important for for a couple reasons. First, um, it is meant to report on how the existing BEPS changes have affected uh, company structures. And it's important that the OECD do this work because I, I have detected that Many companies are changing structures in response to BEPS um, due to the action changes, action, sorry, action seven changes dealing with PE. Many companies are either uh, moving to resellers or maybe setting up actual branches in jurisdictions to um, address the um, PE changes in Article 5 of the treaty. Obviously, essentially every major multinational is taking fresh look at their transfer pricing in light of the new transfer pricing um, uh, guidelines. 
So there are changes happening, uh, country by country reporting. Um, you know, companies are very focused on on that, but it'll take a while for the changes to become evident to governments. Uh, the way the governments can best collect evidence is through the audit function. That means the information is available only several years down the road. The C by C reports may um, provide some information on a before and after basis, but again, it's going to take some years for that information to be available. So my hope is that the task force will be able to perceive from their conversations with companies and input taken at the consultation that the BEPS actions have had, had changes um, or have inspired ch changes by, 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 by companies. The, the other really important um, areas that this interim report should address are the areas of how and where value is created in, in the digital economy. And then second, uh, the role of data in uh, the international tax system. Now these, these topics are important um, because these essentially are the talking points that uh, proponents of special tax on highly digitalized business models um, uh, use to justify the tax. One, the value creation point I think we mentioned a few minutes ago, I would submit that a highly digitalized business model company creates value in exactly the same way as any other company. It hires qualified people and it puts in their work and it deploys capital, takes business risks, comes up with innovative ideas, and if its goods or services are good, if they're successful, they win in the marketplace. If they're not so successful, they, they lose, but you know, that applies to anybody, not just um, digitalized companies. So the OECD does have a task of talking about whether digitalized companies create value in a different way. So we'll see what they have to say. And then second, the role of data. Um, you do hear uh, government representatives speculating about analogies like data is the new oil that uh, companies are extracting data in my jurisdiction, therefore um, they ought to um, pay tax there. That theory, I think, is being discussed at the task force level, and we'll see what they have to say. Um, I don't think that particular theory has merit as a basis for um, a taxation theory, even if you accept the theory that a company is exchanging free services for data, you know, in no other context does an enterprise pay tax at the place where they purchase inputs. You know, if you buy your raw material from country X and process it in country Y, you're, you're taxed in country Y where you deploy all your resources to do the processing, not country X where you, you know, bought the, bought the materials from some supplier. And frankly, if you accept the analogy, um, the principled tax conclusion of the analogy is that the individual that has received the free service in exchange for surrendering data has income, right? Because if the data has value, which would be the underlying 
proposition to use that data exchange as the basis for imposing tax, then the free service presumably is of the same value and, and the individual should be um, you know, filling out a line on his or her tax return reporting the value of free services uh, that they consume during, during the course of the year. So that's the principled um, consequence of, of, of this analogy of free services as, as essentially a barter exchange for data. Um, when, when you propose that, we have proposed it to various government officials who seem to be enamored with the idea. And they say, but we're not going to do that. Um, okay, fair enough. Maybe they don't want to impose that reporting obligation on on their citizens, but that is indeed the principled result of a theory that individuals are exchanging their their data for um, free services. So the task force has within its mandate to talk about those issues. I, I, I don't know what they're going to say about how and where value is created in a digital economy and what they're going to say about... Um, uh, the role of data, but I suspect it's going to be pretty, pretty influential um, because governments who would like to rely on that theory will obviously read it with interest. And those of us who think that digital company, companies create value in the same way as everybody else um, also would hope that that point is going to be reflected in the um, task force report. Okay, great. Well, we're to the end of our half hour, and I um, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, these these are um, challenging issues, um, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think I think what would be best for everybody is for uh, there to be more reciprocity in, in in digital trade. I think that's the essence of the problem. You know, the big companies happen to be American and Chinese. Um, if we had more digital champions from, from Europe, I, I don't think that these um, issues would have been as sensitive as, as they are. You know, one looks back at France, who at one point was the world leader in digital technologies through the Minitel. Um, but Minitel fell by the wayside. If Minitel had succeeded in the way that some of the great or the bigger American companies um, have succeeded, then, then maybe we wouldn't be having this debate today. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things go, um, and I'll look forward to reading more about it in your column in the Tax Management International Journal. All right. Thanks, Dolores. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg Tax and subscribe to Talking Tax on iTunes or SoundCloud. Tune in next time for more discussions on today's hot tax issues with leading practitioners.